one of the funniest things I heard is when he, he went back into the, the wrap up of WWDC, he says, um, yeah, and they introduced their, their new maps feature and they boasted how now you can turn the phone to the, to the, to the, uh, landscape view and the map will flip with the phone now. <laughs> I don't think you understand how revolutionary this what, is. is that, are they serious? No. That's this phone here, the G1. <clears throat> yeah. Oh I remember a friend of mine coming from Seattle and showing me that, and I was like, whoa, it knows which way it is? Oh my God. And that was like five years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the ancients had compasses too. Please. What's up, guys? It's Wednesday, June 13th, 2012. This is episode 13 of Yats. It's yet another tech show, yetanothertechshow.com, slash live, watch us live every week. My name's Matt Lee. Joining me tonight, we got Ant Pruitt. Gentlemen, what's going on? We got Mike Rothman. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. We have a younger, slimmer... Larry Press? No, that's Shane Brady. What's going on, Shane? Hi, guys. Glad to be here. Good to have you. Uh, Shane, you recently started writing uh, over at A New Domain, yes? Yep, yep. And you are... Uh, Month and now. You're you're not new to this tech game. You actually have a little fame that follows you around, a little dark cloud, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, so around the turn of the last century, that long ago, I was involved in a company called Richamundo, who was behind the famous Punch the Monkey banner that started the uh, Punch the Monkey craze, the Punch the Monkey meme. And uh, I didn't do the banner myself, but I did write the game that it was for, called Trilu. And um, you'll always see, you'll always hear Punch the Monkey used uh as a term recognition about advertising memes of uh, ages ago. So. That was kind of the the one that started the whole, like, hey, you can actually animate these things and make people want to click on them even more. It was a little merge of, of psychology and social engineering a little bit, and fun. It was a fun game. Everybody yeah, liked it. Was all, it. it was all written in Java, because uh, that was the only way you could do the, the, the banners back then. And I don't think anybody does Java banners now, but that's all we had back then. That's crazy. And then we did Shock the Monkey, Catch the Monkey. In, in the game, there was actually a little uh, Java game where you had a boxing glove and you had to literally punch a monkey to win a stuffed monkey. I completely <laughs> remember that. Like, that's so... Yeah, I, I don't remember, remember that one. Man, man, that's so great. Man, I knew, if I, I knew if I hung around this podcast long enough, I'd meet famous people. I yeah. know, right? This yeah, makes yeah. it all worth it right there. This, yeah. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Larry Press... Uh, is on vacation, I believe. That's right. He was. Uh, he got Dante's uh, tour guide, and he was actually gonna go around to all the different levels of hell. And anyway, <laughs> he'll be back next week. We miss you, Larry. Uh, in the meantime, there is some amazing, amazing news. Not only for the internet, for technology, but I feel like for human beings overall. Everybody's always like, oh, the the piracy and the evil side of the internet and and it's it's good to see happy stories like this. You guys heard of a website called the Oatmeal. You may or may not have heard of a website called Funny Junk. Uh apparently there has been this feud of sorts that started out with Funny Junk uh posting and hosting a lot of Matthew Einman, the guy behind the Oatmeal, a lot of his humorous comics. Uh, taking out the watermarks, g- generally just stealing, I guess. Is that, is that fair to say? He was stealing. If I take something that's yours and put my name on it and then put it on my site, that that's stealing, right? Um, Yeah, I believe that's accurate. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> that, that happens. Uh, Matthew Einman is like, you know, I really just, I just want to do comics. I don't want to really deal with this. 
And then he gets a letter from Funny Junk's lawyer saying that you owe us $20,000 for public defamation and malicious practice of SEO. And so he's like, okay, really? Uh, So instead of mailing the $20,000 to Funny Junk's CEO, of course, uh, Matthew Einman planned a fundraiser the proceeds of which would be distributed evenly between the National Wildlife Federation and the American Cancer Society. So two, two great places, better than taking the money and giving it to some guy who stole your stuff, right? I mean, that would be a terrible ending to this story. Uh, he raised twenty grand in 10 minutes. <laughs> Just, oh, like, wow. think about that. $20,000, 10 minutes. 60 seconds, 10 times, 60 seconds, 10, just like my hats off to him, right? That's, that's phenomenal. So cool. And, and then (laughs) he has since raised more than $120,000 and it's still going up. And this was a couple days ago. I don't know where it finally topped out at, but amazing, amazing. And so he said that instead of, um, actually, you know, giving, giving you the money. He posted, there's a whole letter and everything uh, back and forth, comics. It, it's really funny to read. He posts all these links of where his stuff was, and then I guess he said after he made this comic live, all of these pictures that Funny Junk was hosting, they, got, they removed them, like, immediately. You know, like, oh, we weren't hosting those. And it's, the list is massive. I mean, it's, it's a list of, of his stuff of Matthew Einman's stuff that had been getting pirated, stolen. I mean, what, what, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're uh, more comfortable with. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So they steal from him mm-hmm. and, and then says, you know what? We're coming after you because you're, you're, you're defaming our name. Right. So he says, this is a joke, right? Because, and he posts the letter. Uh, by maliciously accusing Funny Junk of criminal conduct to injure its business reputation, you exposed yourself to a lawsuit for defamation, blah, blah, blah. And he says, this is a joke, right? Deliver to me a check in the amount of $20,000 payable to the order of Funny Junk LLC. He says, you want me to pay you $20,000 for hosting my unlicensed comics on your shitty website for the past three years? No, I've got a better idea. I'm going to try and raise $20,000 in donations. I'm going to take a photo of the raised money. I'm going to mail you that photo along with this drawing of your mom seducing a Kodiak bear. <laughs> that, that's how you handle this kind of behavior on the internet. This is how you handle it. And then he says, I'm going to take the money and donate one half to the National Wildlife Federation and the other half to the American Cancer Society. Funny junk. I don't want to write retorts like this anymore. I don't want to spend the next year tied up in legal BS with you. I just want to make comics. Consider this my philanthropic, kind-spirited way of saying, you know what he said, F off. F you, basically. basically. Brilliant, though. Like, this is, and the first comment, can I upload this to funny junk? (laughs) Lols. So great. (laughs) This is why I love... The internet. I love this kind of stuff when it happens. We're a bunch of a-holes, but when somebody picks on somebody else that we like, we really come together and just... We, we rally around it's, them. Yeah, it's, it's our cause. This is like our... Uh, there's more of a connection, even though most of these people have never met each other, never met Matthew. The, everyone is familiar with his work and the kind of person he is. And the kind of sites that Funny Junk is, like, there's, they're not the only one doing that. There was a whole, back in the day of, like, the EN sites before PHP Nuke sites were becoming prevalent, like, everybody would find these pictures and post them and post funny captions and comments. And that was, there was, like, a whole genre of sites back then that did that. This is more blatantly being like, I'm taking your stuff and putting them on a page filled with ads, and I'm going to, to monetize. Next question is, how much power does the oatmeal really have on the web now? Can he go out there and say, hey, make sure y'all go check out yet another tech show dot com. Next thing we're down <laughs> and just crash our site. Uh-oh. Are you listening to oatmeal? But, the oatmeal? And see, this is this is a good cause, though. Like the guy tried to get the fundraiser taken down and 
it wasn't like Matthew Einman was like, I'm going to keep this money for myself. Like, he picked right. two good causes that people would rally around on top of, you know, what had happened to his stuff. And it just, all of it came together to, I mean, $20,000 in how many minutes? Like, that's ridiculous. In minutes, boy. Did you say malicious SEO? Is that what he was being accused of? Yeah. Right. That was is one that, of the... Yeah, do people get sued thing? for that? Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Well, and the guy, his lawyer was famous in a few of these lawsuits. Uh, Charles Carrion. I don't know if that if that name's uh, familiar to you guys. Never heard of. Him. No, no. I will tell you the lawsuits. I just read over this yesterday. Oh, the, he uh, he's the guy that successfully litigated the sex dot com <laughs> site uh, thing. <laughs> That's his his first entry on Wiki. Attorney and Boy, former prosecutor known for successfully litigating the hey. sex.com and rl.com cases. You know, that's a claim to fame. Right? Oh, gosh. In, my head on in June 2012, he represented funnyjunk.com in a proposed false advertising litigation against Matthew Einman of The Oatmeal. So, sex.com, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. And we got to check back next week on the progress of all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. How much has he raised? What's happened to the lawsuit? It's very... You don't want details. Very, very interesting. So far, $117,000, $120,000 is the the count. Dang. Whose dog's barking? Somebody else like that money, too. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) It's good stuff, though. Good stuff. I like to see when when it all works out like that. Uh, Let's see. Larry had a couple of items in here we can kind of go over real quick. Google and Netflix make a land grab on the edge of the internet. I tried to look at this a little bit earlier today. Um, I still don't quite understand the details on it, but it looks like People like Netflix and the ones that have all of this online content are trying to cut out the middleman as far as how their information is getting from home to home over the web. Well, it's the is CDN. Got out of it's, it? it's the CDN idea, right? They want to take up uh, servers in as many places that are close to major networks or major you know, metropolitan areas where all the people are so that their content gets there faster. Because if you have to go fetch content, if I'm in Montana and I have to get something from a New York server rather than a California server, I mean, that, you know, it adds up. Wasn't there stories a couple years ago about Google basically taking shipping containers size or maybe literally shipping containers and just stocking them with servers so they could drop their, uh, their, their servers anywhere in the country? That would be a fantastic idea. Yeah, that'd be some power. I think I remember that. Yeah, so you guys also may remember that Kansas City won the Google Fiber. Yeah, light up the darkness. (laughs) You're you're right. So, of course, it's taken forever to actually get it done because of the city, you know, cities, two different cities, two different states. Yeah. Um, But we literally, you know, when I go into work, you can see the the cables being uh, being put down and hooked up. I think we're also going to see some of those servers they're talking about in the article in Kansas City because otherwise, what's the point, right? Um, they're trying to deliver video and all these these uh, services to the curve. If this if the content's got to be shipped from New York, it's not going to make all that sense. So uh, we're kind of on the lookout to see where Google's putting their servers in the area. Right. According yeah, to I, uh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. I, I thought the interesting thing to me was the you know the huge amounts of money that uh, Netflix and others will spend to architect. The, their contacts, their connections with the internet, to maximize uh, content delivery to us. Well, isn't that Google's whole thing? Is make the internet fast, speedy, speed it up? It you know, sure get it. Is. Spe- speed off. You know, a f- fraction of a hundredth of a second in uh, delivery, and it's a competitive advantage. Yep, absolutely. Uh, they say so here. Can- on this Wired article, the prime real estate is in nondescript box-like structures all over the world, which serve as a link between internet service providers, websites, and those of us connecting to the web to use it all. 
Uh, in the late 90s, companies like Akamai and Savas invented a business for themselves by setting up servers with ISPs and then catching or <laughs> caching caching popular web pages locally so then they could just serve them to their customers rather than their customers getting them uh, from the original whoever was was producing it it's an interesting idea it's kind of like what opera does right they they download the page cache it on their server optimize it for whatever mobile version of it you're using and then you you don't see any of that but in the end you get a faster experience or that's the idea Amazon's doing that too. And Amazon with, uh, and Facebook and Apple and Google. <laughs> so is this more of a, a a plot for performance or is it more of a plot for these two or these bigger people to save money? I think traffic and performance. They say here that the ISPs liked it because they had to carry less traffic on their networks. The websites liked it because their pages load faster. But again, in they're saying in the age of video, where you know you have larger, larger files than just serving a couple web pages, I think that speed will really add up if if you can do it right, and and it'll cut down on your buffering and and everything. They say yeah, there's. I imagine if, if if they have those big boxes, a few of them in each major city, that real real close, it'd be a pretty big improvement for Netflix. Absolutely. Uh, especially. Uh, I know it's just changing your DNS. You can get a difference in performance depending on which CD, CDN you get because none of their data is in Kansas City. Yeah. Um, it's either Denver or St. Louis. So I think I Steve mean, Gibson think on, on GRC.com has a DNS tool that will like benchmark the different DNS servers and tell you which one, if it's your ISP or Google's or OpenDNS, and it will tell you which one's fastest for your particular situation. It's kind of neat. I switched to OpenDNS, and it's much, much faster. I wanted to do that, but I can't switch my DNS on my um, UVerse uh, equipment here. Really? Yeah, they got you can't it locked do it. down, and they give you a nice big old warning saying, um, "Oh, on out- the, uh, open DNS site." They say, "Yeah, we can't work with their uh, with their uh, weird for whatever." Reason. I wonder if they're doing some sort of packet prioritization or something that just doesn't work with a different DNS if it's done on their DNS. So this this kind of brings in the the whole net neutrality uh, issue also. Like who's to who's to say Netflix doesn't go to Bresnan or Comcast or Optimum and say, hey, if you give our packets priority, we'll do something for you <laughs> or you know whatever. I mean, there's it's all about who's got the connection to the to the end lines. Hey hey Matt, go back for a minute. When you say you're getting faster internet service after you've switched your DNS, how do you how do you quantify that? Not, inter- it's not so much like doing speed tests and noticing ping ping uh, millisecond drops or anything like that. It's more yeah. of when your browser is looking up a page, that is much quicker. And maybe it's because my ISP was so slow to begin with, so I particularly noticed it. But yeah. if if you're not noticing it go looking up host or looking up page, then you're probably fine. But mine was yeah. kind of lagging on that, and it just makes – it seems – it might be placebo, but it seemed like everything else went faster. Yeah. But speed tests, speed cool. tests remain around the same, you know, under 50 <laughs> millisecond ping with, you know, about 25, 30 down and 5 up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty solid. Uh, yeah, he says five Apple – Good my, Lord, man. What? <laughs> 5 megabits up? Wow. We're hosting shows, brother. Got to have bandwidth, man. We run two HD cameras for in-studio shows, and that's some bandwidth plus Skype if you have phone calls plus web pages. I need bandwidth. Damn. It's only like 60 bucks a month. Damn, <laughs> I'm jealous. I <laughs> but I have to live in the middle of a bunch of hicks out in the boonies, so it, it, it's a give and take. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see this. They say, uh, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and others are all doing this. Of course. Um, they're not really calling it a land rush, but they say there are a handful of companies that are large enough. Uh, but you have to be a certain size company doing enough traffic. Otherwise, what's the point? Uh, their, their company, deep field networks, they know of about 40 other companies that are setting up their own CDNs, their own content delivery networks. Uh, with service providers, so he can't name names though. I don't know no names, but I know a bunch of people is out there making deals behind closed doors. It's how the hundred dollar handshake, the hundred dollar hand, right? <laughs> That's how I like my net neutrality. 
<laughs> Done behind closed, <laughs> sealed off doors. Fantastic. Smoke-filled rooms. All right. Uh, WWDC was this week. None of us are rich enough to be able to afford Apple products, so moving on. No. Ant, you want to tell us a little bit about the highlights? We got a, a retinal display on a big, giant laptop. Yeah, of course they had the new releases for their MacBook Pro and the MacBook Air. The big things, though, were the uh, retina displays on that MacBook Pro. What gets me is those things, they were beautiful to begin with. I don't see why the retina was necessarily needed, but it was sort of a, you knew that step was coming just based on what was already out there from the iPad and whatnot. Right, and if they didn't, of course, they wouldn't. they upgraded the processors to the Ivy Bridge and so forth. It was sort of, it's almost like you knew that stuff was coming, which was, I didn't quite get what made it such a big deal. You know, was it a um, big deal? Or was it just, okay, cool. If you if you check the web, and granted, it's nice. Granted, that MacBook Pro is nice, but man, it, it was almost like, didn't y'all expect this to, to happen? You know, they got a retina display on one of their other toys. Why not put it on another device? I would have been a little more um, wowed if they came out and said, you know what? We got us a big cinema television now, you know? And it's got retina setting. display, so what's up yeah. now? <laughs> you know, if they, if they did that, man, I, oh, I would love that. Love it. You know, because that would be way better than the 1080p, but then again, you'd have to have the content that could produce something that high, too, you know? Right. And that's another thing I noticed uh, uh, some of the stories pointing to. If you want the retinal web experience only sites that have specifically designed their image in like svg or at really high resolutions that's when you're going to notice it the rest of the web still looks like crappy non-retinal non-hd or whatever you know everyone's using so yeah but i mean again for it's it's shiny right yeah. super shiny and then they did the um, mountain lion announcement i believe it's going to be a 40 dollar up upgrade which is really good. I give him props on that. And um, iOS six. <laughs> um, I've heard. Yeah. I've heard half <laughs> half the people Four. saying it's catch up to Android. The other half saying not much. Okay, look, they have the feature. Um, I believe it's called guided assistance or guided access. That's that's really nice. The way it's sort of reaching out to like autistic children to help help them out with their development and so forth. That's good. The yeah. maps feature, the maps feature, that's you knew that was coming because they're pissed off at Google and Android sure. and didn't want to use Google Maps. That looks pretty cool, but not everybody's going to get that. Um and then the rest of the iOS stuff, I ho hum. Yeah, you meh. know, me. That was really ho hum. You know, like, but again, the, everybody's cheering for him. You know, if you watch the live feeds, you got all of these applause for well, the, isn't the that what down menu. And, you know, even with the, the lock screen, you can choose an app, you know, on the lock screen now. You know, we've had yeah. ROMs doing that three yeah. years ago. <laughs> or, what about, or what about the, the, uh, the uh, you get a text message sent back if you want to refuse a call? Yes. They went, they went nuts for that. And yeah. That's been on Android since last You know what? That's yeah, old news. I, I host an Android show, and I use Android, and that's fine. Apple is, is nice stuff if you can afford it. But I have a problem that if they wouldn't make such a big deal out of, ooh, Samsung's copying us, sue them. Ooh, they're copying us. Cut them off at the border. Like, if they wouldn't have made such big deals about that, I wouldn't really care. But because they did that, like, everything that they've just announced and come out with is absolutely playing catch-up. And you're kind of jocking the rest of Android's D, so they should step back and do their own thing and keep improving on that because that's what they're good at. Quit trying to play catch-up so that you can say, oh, their commercial said we don't, but we do now, so yay. Yes. Robert in the chat room corrected me that it was uh, $20 for the uh, upgrade yeah. on Mountain Lion. My bad. Appreciate that, Robert. Yeah, Lion, um, Lion, Lion was the same way from Snow Leopard. All right. So, um, I, I, see, I, I actually use a MacBook as my uh, daily work laptop, um, and so I'm on it the most of it. And I really like the Mac laptop, so I, I, I actually really I like them too. in the Retina Display one. Um, 
But what bothers I don't even blame Apple so much anymore as I blame the tech press who goes there and clearly just slobbers whatever they say. So Apple does a lot of great stuff. What they're they what they do is really good. There's no denying that. But I don't want to see TechCrunch say Apple releases new maps, makes Google Maps look like child's play, <laughs> and then list a bunch of features that are already in maps already and forget to mention or forget to mention all the features that are being taken out that aren't going to be in there. I mean, I don't care. I'm sure Apple Maps will be great. They, you know, Tom, Tom does a good job with their directions. He's supplying all that. I'm sure it'll be great. Just don't act like it's the first people to ever do it. You know, I, I was watching a, a podcast today, and one of the funniest things I heard is when he, he went back into the, the wrap-up of WWDC, he says, um, yeah, and they introduced their, their new Maps feature, and they boasted how now you can turn the phone to the, to the, to the uh, landscape view, and the map will flip with the phone now. <laughs> I don't think you understand how revolutionary this like, is. is that, are they serious? That's no. yeah, phone here. The G1. <laughs> yeah. Oh I remember a friend of mine coming from Seattle and showing me that, and I was like, whoa, it knows which way it is? Oh my god. And that was like five years ago. So yeah. Yeah, the, the ancients had compasses too. Yeah. Oh yep. man. Oh, I laughed. So and Robert Marshall, we know iPhone was first. Actually, Paul, what was first? Palm Palm OS. Uh, Palm was, first, was if buddy. you really want to. First to what? I mean, it was it was it the first smartphone? That's no. true because up here for me it was Windows Mobile, and then it was Android because there was no iOS. So. Yeah, and I think the first smartphones were actually trios, weren't they? Yeah. Handspring? The Palm Trio. The Palm Pilot. That's the first one I had. Or you're talking full on phone, not just the Palm Pilot. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually think even that they got from Handspring, which was a spin off. See, and now Robert in the chat's like, I know, but Palm is, um, I mean, come on. And that's that's what we're saying. Like, turn by turn is, um, well, yeah, but come on, you know. And we're just we're just messing with you. We're giving you a hard time. We know all of these devices are great. Just stop suing and start making more cool stuff. That's all. Yeah, the, the iPhone was a big leap. Absolutely. There's no denying that. And I think it's overplayed, uh, overdone uh, how much Android supposedly copied them. Um, but there's no denying that. But, you know, they've kind of slowed down the last couple of years. iOS 5 was was a, a small upgrade, and so was iOS 6. The, it's the same interface they've had for five years now. It looks dated to me. Like I said, I... I, I... I totally dig OS X. You know, I don't work on one all day long like you do, like you do, Shane. But um, the time that I do get to spend with them, the experience with OS X, it's really nice. It's so fluid and clean and just easy to to, to work with. You it know? is. I have a hard time with paying that much extra to get something that I can eventually get worked out on a, a much much cheaper system. But see, then again, I'm I'm. I'm really price conscious about this stuff yeah. because I'm spending As my own I, money. Which is why I'm a Linux guy. I'm not even yeah, a Windows it, guy. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, right. I mean, of course, when I, went, when I first switched over to the uh, MacBook, I was using Dells, uh, and they're like tanks. They're three inches thick. Uh, yeah. They get terrible battery life. They're eight pounds. I mean, they're ridiculous. And Apple can just get a powerful laptop you can develop on in a very small, lightweight uh, uh, package, and that—that's why all the Google devs use MacBooks too. I mean, yeah, they honestly. do. Every single every single time you see Google I/O or some type of new product, they all have MacBooks. I mean, because OS X is pretty good. You know, you know, the Apple hardware is really good, and the Apple software is really good, and they've been really innovative. There's a sort of attitude among Apple fans that. You know, is typified by the the cheering of the you, you know the smallest incremental announcement. But isn't that all? It gets real tiring. Isn't that all fake though? It was a fake riling riling up of this group. Like we're going to war against Android. You know, every you have to have a, an enemy or a competition. Otherwise, your fans aren't going to be as rabid. 
It's all I feel about like the whole and spin. It is, right? I feel like the whole where well, I'm going to destroy them with every last dollar was just a thing to get them riled up for products that are just now getting, you know, up yeah, that's to snuff. I, that's that's I believe what Steve Jobs real uh, real brilliance was. He knew uh, how to yeah, use the it, people. He knew how to use he, people. Yeah. <laughs> knew how to use people. He knew how to manipulate public opinion. Yep, and he, he was, you know, to his credit, he was a master at it. He made a lot of money for for his company doing that. He could have been president on. one day. Going forward on our on our upcoming episodes, I'm going to be sure to use the words magical and amazing as my biggest adjectives, as Mr. Jobs did. Have I not been describing this show as a magical and amazing you know, experience look at this, this whole time? You have, this, you have the swipe to unlock. It's such a magical experience, you know. Or watch when you minimize this window. Wow, it just goes down with a wavy animation. It's because magical. people spend $500,000 on a shiny box with an Apple logo on it to maximize and minimize apps all day. I used to I used to just just look at his um keynotes on the YouTube just to marvel at how how he presented it. Watch know? it in and mute then, and like see if you can guess what is being. You think it was like a god being born by yeah, how it, it was. Yeah. He was good at it. He was really Absolutely. good at it. And then I was also I remember I want to say Leo Laporte referenced that back when um you know it was getting near the end of his term um they were really Apple was really key on having the uh, what do you call them, officers trained up to do these presentations because they want them to do it a specific way and a specific mannerisms, you know. Um, I don't know if Tim Cook is pulling it off just yet, number one, because he's a he's a good old Southern boy like most of us and is a little more laid back. He hasn't gone you know? through <laughs> the proper social engineering training classes yet, but once he does, you know. watch out. He'll <laughs> be a force. Hey, Ant, I really liked that being called a good old Southern boy. I think that's a new one for me. <laughs> well, that's what I am. Keep it up, man. Keep Just it up. Just a good old Southern boy. So, uh, hey, you know, Malcolm. Yeah, go ahead. Malcolm Mike. Cladwell uh, set off a firestorm this last week. Yes. Uh, in uh, in a sort of an offhand remark at a speech up in Toronto uh, by commenting that he believes that. Uh, that history will remember Bill Gates fondly, and that Steve Jobs is destined to slip into obscurity. Whenever I hear the name Bill Gates, I think of that scene in the South Park movie where the guy's on the computer and it just blue screens. He's like, "Evan Windows ninety eight, get Bill Gates in here," and they like bring Bill Gates in. He's uh, every that I don't know that just resonates with me for That's some reason. That's from the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The original, yeah. <laughs> Where's well, Bill Gates? Let's see, Bill Gates, man. I, I give him a lot of credit for what he's doing as far as, all right, you know what? I'm done with, with my work here at Microsoft. I'm going to give it to Bomber, even though he's going to try to run it into the ground. But <laughs> it's, a, it's a bigger picture, you know? It's a bigger picture for him, you know? He, he realizes that there's other people out there that needs help, and he's that foundation he's got just has a ton of money i think if i was amazing that they're doing that stuff i mean they have a real possibility uh, the gates foundation of uh, ridding the world of malaria Mm -hmm. and you know if that if he pulls that off think of all the human beings that are going to benefit from that but also mike think of all the human beings that are going to blame autism their kids who have autism on bill gates now (laughs) He's going to be the new skate. (laughs) You save malaria, but all of our kids have autism. Uh, It's because you're genetically broken, not the vaccine. Anyway, it's a different show discussion. I I think Malcolm Gladwell, there's a lot of truth in what he said about Bill Gates. I just don't know that Steve Jobs will slip into obscurity. No, he won't slip through obscurity because of his, his, again, being an innovator with style. You know, now, granted, it, it makes you look back at another thing with Wozniak because it seems like Wozniak hardly ever gets credit for what he did for the computer industry. It's always Steve Jobs. You know, they'll say Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple. But who Steve was Jobs, the one founder of Apple? Who was yeah. the one that really made it more than just a tool, more than just like this box that you sit in front of? Like people, 
that are those kind of fans. Like the Apple fans are really into it as like it's part of my lifestyle kind of. It's a okay. piece of art. Like and I don't know if that's well, that rationalizing is, the extra three grand you spent on it or what, but like there's really well, luxury items. There's a deep well, connection there to it more than like I have to my AMD box, even though I built that thing by hand. You know, I Well I that mean, is Steve Jobs because he wanted a digital hub. You right. Know, that was him. You know, he wanted the music and, and, and videos and computing all in one spot. That that is him. Yeah. I give him that. You know, but just when you look at what the computers were back then and no, I'm not old enough to know what they were like way back then. And then look at what what the Apple II brought to the table and how everything built off of the Apple II, regardless of the manufacturer. You know, I mean it it's even the Macintosh and, and the Lisa before that that failed, you know, everything sort of iterated off of that Apple II, you know, to get us to where we are now. And that's some credit that Wozniak should get. But, you know, again, it's all about how Mr. Jobs was able to put it out there in the media and, and market it in the 1984 commercials and so on. Yeah. The difference, um, though, I mean, is that Jobs had a second comeback, right? That's oh, that's right. Right. Wozniak kind of peaked with the disk. Last major thing he did was a disk drive in like 1978. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a good so, point. Uh, so, yeah, and of course, and I don't think anybody could have predicted Apple would come back quite the way they did. It was kind of a, a confluence of events with the iPod and then everything else from after that. But um, I think if Apple had failed or gone bankrupt two years after Steve Jobs had take, taken Apple over, because they were really close. Really close. Uh, yeah. I mean, think about $150 million. They need $150 million to stay afloat for a month. And to think of how little money that is to them now. Right. Um, they, they, you know, if that happened, you know, I maybe Wozniak would remember more fondly or more, more common. Um, do you guys uh, – I'm curious. Do you guys feel like companies that are in that position, like what Bill Gates did with the foundation, companies that are on that other level, that have the means and the resources to really make some positive change in communities, both large and small, like do you feel like they have a higher level of accountability that maybe that's their responsibility now only because the rest of us really can't? Or is it – No, they, I don't. Do you not? It's their money. No, they can just kind it's of. It's their money. They can do whatever the hell they want to do with it. Um, granted, there's people out there like what's her name? Uh, and I know this is a tech show. Oprah Winfrey, that's got gobs and gobs of money, and yeah, she's supposedly doing this and doing that. But really, what is she doing in comparison to the to the Gates Foundation? You know. I feel like Oprah's almost doing more negative, just with all of the woo and the. The you Shane Shane, can you explain what I'm trying to explain? Yes, all of that. I feel you. Nonsense. And I feel like that really um, resonates with people because it's Oprah telling them like, "Don't vaccinate your kids" or whatever the case may be. And I think that does way more damage than. You know, and I'm going to disagree with you there because I, uh, I, I think. There's, there's truth in what you say that most, most companies and most people these days feel like, you know, I got mine and that's cool and, the, you know, I don't have to do any of this social stuff. But I think, I think they diminish society and they diminish themselves. When they do that, I think there is a moral obligation of a kind and I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that no one, not Bill Gates or Oprah Winfrey or anyone, no one got to where they are without help from society. That's a good point. And is it's in their best interest that if society's yeah. happy and running smoothly, that we'll more partake in what they have to offer us as uh, consumers, you know. So, I want, so give I want... back and be groovy. Right. What, Shane? <laughs> I just I I want companies to think like I, I agree with the answer they don't there's they have no obligation but I want them to feel like they should yeah um, because you know a company like Apple and Google and even Facebook I mean these are really smart people and if they don't do it then the government's going to try to do it 
And those aren't the best and brightest. And at that point, uh, you're right about that. <laughs> so, so I and I so you know um, if I ever get to lead a multi-billion-dollar company, uh, I would I would plan on giving back. Um, I, there's a couple of guys. It's called compassionate capitalism, um, uh, which uh, CEOs like the guy who runs Whole Foods. He does yeah, that type of stuff. Yeah. So Jerry's. Yeah. Um, Right. Uh, so I, I think I think they should. Um, I always uh, like to think if Apple... I was in that situation, like I would be the one of the kind of people that goes on Kickstarter like once a week and just drops like a hundred grand on just some random, you know, just something to get some more of that back into circulation to help everybody else. But I don't know. Maybe it corrupts you when you get it. Maybe you're so blind by like, oh, I can do anything I want now. And you just kind of forget about that. <laughs> Well, you have to build it in early, right? So Google kind of, they feel like they have that kind of attitude, though they're obviously not perfect. Um, they're doing a lot with renewable energy. Uh, I feel like Facebook maybe a little bit too. I don't think Apple has in their DNA to give back at all. Um, Robert Marshall, uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, this is the same This is the same CEO that refused to, to donate some of his stock to the to the lower level employees, you know. Well, I mean, they are lower level employees, and you know, well, mean, no, not lower level, but let's be you know, honest. But you've heard this. You've heard the story, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah it's you know. Dan Kotke. Kotke, that's the guy. You know, the guy was there to 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 help bring them out. You know, and why not give him anything? Well, plus Apple never gave money to charity, right? And that was something that Tim Cook changed when he took over. Um, but it oh. takes years to rebuild that attitude into a company. Yeah. I wonder, you know, the the guy that is, is saying how Gates is going to be revered in the future. I wonder if there will be some biographies coming up that's going to be as in depth as this last um, Walter Isaacson biography for Steve Jobs. You know, that went truly deep down into the to not only the good but also the bad that this this cat was all about too. You know, is there some dirt we know we don't know about Mr. Uh, Bill Gates other than he stole from Steve Jobs? It's all in Pirates of. I'm certain there's. I'm certain there's there's dirt, you know, and I'm sure there's there'll be books. I don't think I don't think Bill Gates is going to be remembered as a colorful character. As a oh, colorful no. It's all about Pirates of the Silicon Valley. That's yeah. how. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Jobs had a a a degree of cool about him that Gates will will never be known for. But that stuff is is temporal and i think uh, malcolm gladwell's point is how how are these guys going to be remembered 50 years from now where they're remembered more for what they did rather than the kind of individuals they were in new york state uh, everywhere there's buildings named after the rockefellers yeah because they gave all money nobody knows which rockefeller they just know the rockefeller center the nelson Rockefeller. you know they they don't really know anything about the people but the name lives on and I think that's what you'll see with Bill Gates. You're not going to see that with Steve. Jobs. And it's interesting too about them and uh, other of those those older families. Like if you go back and watch even shows like Deadwood or something, it wasn't a very classy upbringing of how they got to where they were. There was a lot of cutthroat, conniving, backstabbing. Like there, there's some dastardly deeds in, in how they got to get to a point where they can donate a library to the city. Yeah. You know? There's a lot of blood on those those donations. Yeah, absolutely. But all right, um, let's. Know, oh, go ahead. Now I'm just going to say, uh, rem- remind you that Carnegie is not just a uh, brand of library, right? <laughs> it, is, it is actually a dude. It was also a family and a yeah. dude. Um, did you guys see the the dot brand that is sweeping the internet? The new uh, domain name suffixes dot app dot mopar dot porn dot podcast we should get dot podcast dot baby dot baby dot uh dot child dot i mean you know i thought it was enough after dot me i thought that was enough right there come on what's dot me that's all of the social um what do you call them social domains like Mm -hmm. uh who you are about pruitt.me you know You don't know me. You don't know dot me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a new shirt. You can find it on Geek Think tomorrow. That's right. 
So they say uh, if this is approved, Amazon could use .author in an attempt to dominate online book selling, while Google could use .love to collect registration fees from its rivals. <laughs> I love how that's put. Uh, Amazon and Google are also vying for .app and .music, while the wine company Gallo Vineyards wants .barefoot. Wanky wank. Uh, .barefoot? Yeah, it's a wine. Uh, I used to work this in a liquor store. Like it's gonna, sounds like it's going to be a big mess. Right? Oh, Doesn't it God. just add more... Confu- well, not confusion, maybe, but more <laughs> fragmentation? Yeah, it used to be you had to buy the .com and the .net. Now yeah. you got you to buy .cc, .biz, .pro. Does that really make a domain. big difference, And you got to buy the ones that are misspelled. Yet another tax show.com. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you got to buy those too. That's yet another tax show. <laughs> yet another cat show? Yeah, I mean, just, show. just the misspellings, man. <laughs> I feel like, though, if you have a good product, you don't need to do that kind of dumb stuff, right? Like the. The misspellings. I mean, that's for people that are trying to cash in because they have no idea of how to do anything else. Like, they don't have a product themselves, so they'll latch on. It's called the funny junk (coughs) business model. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. You know, for the sites that I want to visit, I mostly put them in bookmarks or I have some kind of shortcut or other that I go to. It's not like I'm typing. It's not like I don't – I doubt I've typed – out the word Amazon in years now. All this and, is doing is making more money for the ICANN. Like, all they're doing is saying, here, do you want dot whatever? Well, pay us a bunch more money. Like, they basically just made themselves a new business model. That's all it really is doing. Yeah, that's a good point. Is this yeah. an unnecessary load on DNS servers if we have to add, I don't know, like a billion more entries to them? Is that, I mean, is that a big deal for, for DNS servers? I wonder if they care. Did Google Hangouts crash? Nice. It did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. And we're back. I was like asking you guys a question. I was like, anybody? Anybody? Uh okay. So where were we? <laughs> Thank you, Google. Unnecessary, right? It's unnecessary. Yeah, unnecessary. <laughs> so glad to have you. Oh, you you were asking who's gonna be loaded on DNS servers. Oh yeah. Do the DNS servers care? They don't care. I don't think they're gonna I don't think that's gonna make Two bits of difference. Lauren Weinstein from People for Internet Responsibility says that one thing that's going to occur is a lot of money is going to get sucked out of the ecosystem. Uh, the cost is billions and billions of dollars with no value return to people and an enormous capacity for confusion. I'm going to agree with that. Well put. Yeah, but I mean, that's you could say that about the internet generally. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> That is true. Uh-huh. There were 1,930 proposals for 1,409 different suffixes. That's insane, man. Yeah, and I don't really know how they get approved. They approve some really weird ones. Like uh, It's all about the they money. Have one, they have one for Catalan, like a small section in Spain of all places to get their own domain level. I mean... Uh, I mean, if dot if dot beauty can get purchased by L'Oreal, why not? Now, one of the more weird ones I've seen recently because I use it now is the dot es domain extension. Ooh, what's that? Your TV series dot es. I think es is. Spain. I just I just put it in the uh, chat, but I use that service to watch um, online television. Interesting. And I was like, oh, dot ES. Yeah. Hey, we talked, guess, we talked about... For money. Yeah, it's all, it's all about the money, for sure. They're like, we're, we're, not, we're running out of things to make money on here. We better open up a few more new ones. Uh, speaking of people just screwing over their customers, are you guys down on the new Verizon share everything package? 
No, shoot me. Right? Is that, is that, man, is that mandatory? Yeah. Is, yeah, it's coming on the 28th, right, Matt? Yep, the 28th. We covered this a yeah. little bit on Attack of the Androids last night. Just for the individual, you're going to pretty much be screwed. 50 bucks for a gig? No thanks. I mean, recommended. somebody like me, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how much I pay, but I have a 1,500-minute plan and... um two lines that's shared between myself and my oldest boy, teenager, that's all I need to say, and unlimited text messages. And I'm paying out the wazoo just for that, you know, because if I cut it down to a lower to a lower tier, I've been dinged once or twice, and you know what? Verizon's going to get their money. So <laughs> One way or another, they're going <laughs> to you know, get you. So I bumped you. the plan up, and I'm like, man, these people are killing me, but it's cheaper than paying for these extra minutes or paying for these extra text messages and all of that. And then what happens? Oh, yeah, you grandfathered folks? Oh, yeah, you're screwed. Nah, we're good as long as we don't ever upgrade or get a subsidized phone. So on Lifehacker, I I post a link in the the Attack of the Androids uh, show notes. They, They go through a whole bunch of different scenarios on how to keep your unlimited as long as possible. And I I think it's a good idea if you can get just get the fastest phone out there at the time and sit on it cuz i mean a quad core or dual core is going to be more than enough for the next foreseeable future right i agree but you just got to be ready to pack out about 500 600 bucks depending on the device right well that's what i'm saying if you can subsidize if you're not already if you're not already having an upgrade or, or anything if you're grandfathered in from before then you can. Like, I have an upgrade that I can use, and I keep my, my plan still because I have, have had it forever. Oh, But I'm after the 28th, then if I tried to do that, yeah, it would be – that would be the end of it. And, uh, Mike, you got your 1X in the mail. I've been reading a lot about people saying that they copied Apple and they gave the 1X the, the grip of death with the Wi-Fi, actually, if you hold it a certain way. Do you completely Mike, holding it wrong? Yeah, there it is. There it is. The one, the new, the replacement one X. Are you holding it wrong? That's not broken. <laughs> and, I don't know. I haven't had that problem with uh, Wi-Fi. Just grip so, the crap out of it and see if your Wi-Fi goes away. Is it a metal? You know, this, thing, this thing is so thin. It it has a metal case, but I'll tell you, the thing is so thin, and I had the feeling I could crush it. You know. If I, if I really worked at it, I could bend the thing in half. Yeah, does it flex? <laughs> no, no. I don't think it's flexible. I mean, for starters, this class is not flexible. But, uh, you know, it's. I, I'll, I only got it, Matt, yesterday. So I'm still doing all of the things like setting up the apps and um, podcast downloading and stuff like that. I've got a long ways to go, but uh, well, if you notice, they say that on the XDA developer forums that it affects Bluetooth and Wi-Fi if you hold it like uh, around the edge. I guess pretty much just like the iPhone four <laughs> had, which is interesting. So, so Samsung gets dinged for having plastic cases, but I've never had, I've never had reception issues on either one of my Samsung. Interesting, right? <laughs> right. Go figure. Now, what's this? What's the site you're looking at? I'd like to check that out. Uh, the XDA, that's that's the developer forums that they were mentioning it on. But here's a link to the actual article. It's on the inquirer.net, and there's another one. Uh, so you had a question about rooting it. Like, should you and why? Or Yeah, yeah, that's the question. So I, I get the uh, home screen is this, uh, I guess, HTC Sense Touch. Is that what it's Sense called? UI, yeah. Sense, Sense, Sense UI. UI. And I I make almost no use of that, so I'm going. I drop down the next layer to the Android layer, and I do my app selection and stuff from there generally. So uh, rooting it would get rid of that sense UI layer. Not necessarily and, rooting. Not really. It's just going to give you root access, which is basically now you can do anything you want. It, installing a custom ROM is going to get rid of sense unless you can actually freeze out particular pieces of it or switch the themes, which you also can do rooted. And getting re- getting a custom ROM means getting uh, downloading that software and burning it to the existing ROM. 
Kind of. It's more of downloading the a file mm-hmm. and rebooting into recovery once it's unlocked and then selecting that file, hoping it doesn't boot loop. If it does, yeah, going yeah. to flash fast boot recovery. I mean, there's there's a whole it's a whole world of fun and like I mentioned, do it on Friday. Do it on a Friday. Do it on Friday. Just count on having your phone that week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and especially, I've heard HTC tends to be a little more picky and maybe a little. No, it's all right. I'll answer it. Hello. Uh, it, they're a little more tricky, I guess, or because they're more locked down than than say having a Nexus device or even a Motorola. Yeah, I thought they were gonna have open bootloaders, but maybe they were. But lot. it's a tool, and not all of the devices have gotten them yet. Uh, there's the HTC One X can get 4.03 with a Super SU and Clockwork Mod recovery. So there, there are ways to do it. Definitely. Okay. Okay. I'm personally waiting for a release candidate for CM9, especially after reading the, about them incorporating the new Lenaro toolchain into it, which is supposed to speed up the phone by 30 to 100 percent, which is wow. very exciting. Yeah. I saw Cyanage made a comment that a lot of the stuff is already and some more will be coming, but yep. some, not all of it conforms to what they need. No, so. you guys can get the nightlies, and they're they're kind of ready. Some of them have camera issues. Some of them have GPS issues. I, I'm not running a lot of bloatware on the Galaxy Nexus. It came pretty clean, so I, I'm not in a big hurry like I was with my Droid X. Like, I couldn't yeah. get Moto Blur off of there fast enough, but... Man, yeah, I'm, well, I'm I know cool what you're the, talking about. Oof. I, yeah, for sure. I'm cool with the Galaxy Nexus though for for running stock until uh, some some more ROMs are out there ready for it. Yeah, I yeah, I told you I already put on the Cyan Engine Mod Nine release candidate this uh this this evening. Does your camera so, work? That's a good question. <laughs> or the video camera? I mean, I did it. Oh yeah, everything. Uh, because my video camera doesn't work on mine anymore, and sometimes I actually miss it. On CM9? Well, no, I'm on CM7. Oh, I'm on 7. On on the X? Yep. Does yours does yours look like a Windows phone? <laughs> uh, that would be new. <laughs> oh, my, my camera works. I love that. It's so, like, clean and, and tight. That's me. That looks like my Galaxy Nexus. Yeah, it's pretty Used hot. to. ICS theme. Now, um, but like I said, the camera will work just fine, but if I switch it to the camcorder, it totally freezes up and hoses, you know, but yeah. they said it's going to be glitches with that. Oh, absolutely. Which, which phone do you have? I have the old Droid X. Okay, yeah, the Galaxy Nexus, I assume it's going to be the best supported. Is that what CM9. you're on? Yeah, Shane? yeah. Are you on a so. GSM? Or Verizon. Yeah, just internet the international version. Ah. I got the Verizon version and I'm I'm it's not as rugged as the GSM version. There's the scratches and and the antenna's kinda iffy and I still have to reboot it to go if you go Wi Fi all day and turn your Wi Fi off, will it connect to three G or do you have to reboot your phone? I, I never even noticed that problem. I, I heard you mention the show there. I've never noticed that problem. I, I'm so wondering if like so. it's just mine, if maybe I should flash it or what. I've, I haven't heard anybody else have that problem except me, and it's really annoying. <laughs> but all yeah. right, um, that's kind of going to be the show. You guys have anything else we wanted to get to before we wrap this thing up? Um, one more thing on that 1X. uh Mm-hmm. This lady I know at the office, she she got one, and um, I, I I really like that phone. And even with the Sense UI on it, it was not as uh, as um, aggressive as the first iteration. I've heard Sense the UI. main complaints about it are the lack of SD and removable battery. Yeah. Other than that, everything else is supposedly pretty spot on. It was really it was really really a nice phone and really responsive, you know. I can't, I don't know, I haven't been to a Verizon store in a while, but I think other than the Galaxy Nexus, I don't know what else I'd really want before that 28th, the June 28th day comes, you know, to burn an upgrade on. Yeah, there's nothing the, else I'd want. I mean, the yeah. S3, but that's not going to be out yeah. by then, right? I'm not even sold on that anymore. I almost like the Nexus better. I like the shape of it, and I don't want a bunch of Samsung gimmick 
crap. Yeah. You know, like right. that's all those apps are like, oh, you can talk to it. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah, the, the S2 took a while to be able to be rooted and uh, ROM. So the S3 could be months before you can get all that, that junk off of there. Yeah, and that, yeah, but, on top of on top of that. With this, with the S3, I've seen a lot of people who were doubters at the original announcement see one and use it and be converts. And Leo Laporte is probably the highest profile one that I know of, but I've heard a couple other people too. It's the um, screen, right? You... Everybody's way into that screen because it's pentile, but it doesn't look like pentile. That's that's what I keep hearing, and I don't know. I'm, I you notice a difference holding a Droid X even up to the Nexus? Like there's a tint to it, but I, I'm used to it. You get used to it after a while. Right. With well, about a day, you don't even know. I feel like if I, I think... went from the Nexus to the S3, the S3 would look weird just because I'm used to this. Right. Now, you know. Right. I have the S2. Right. And when I look at it, it looks the colors look so super bright. I don't know how to describe it because you know every pixel is lit. Right. It's not AMOLED. It just looks it, it looks really 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 bright and um, it's different. I like the, and I feel like it's just a point for people to complain about when you know the phone is pretty spot on. They're like, well, damn pentile. <laughs> I, I think I, I just think some people notice the noise worse than others. That's true some too. People, some people can deal with 3D. Some people can't. I mean, it's everybody's different, I suppose. Yeah, because some people uh, just, it really, really bothers them. But for, to me, it was a little weird at first, especially with solid colors. And then I just never noticed it again. And you know, just everything's fine. And it just the black. I like having really good true blacks. So I really, I really like AMOLED. It makes a difference. It does. It makes the contrast look better. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love that we have our own Google Plus picture meme of Hangouts crashing and the ridiculous faces <laughs> that are made there for... It's fun. It's a fun game we like to play here. Drink every time it crashes and then take a screenshot. That's what it's going to be, man. That's oh, what yeah. it's going to be. That's how we do it. Uh, is Mike coming back or... He must have had a phone call. I thought he had some more questions about his One X, but we will answer them next week. Sound good? You got anything else you want to talk about? I want to plug my uh, article this week that seemed to get a lot of run. It was pretty fun. The uh, I had called it. No, I haven't seen the Avengers, nor will I see Prometheus or Spider Man. Hey, I watched Prometheus, and just let me tell you about it. <laughs> it's the worst, right? I hate when people do that. Man, and it, it's like um, Jeremy and I were discussing back on one of the Attack of the Androids episodes. It's just, I don't care to go to the theaters anymore. As long as you got the decent tech in your house, you, you can have a pretty enjoyable experience. But... Even if you don't, like just, I would trade you sitting next to crying children and people that smell and cough <laughs> Preach and it, Matt. Preach for it, For being Matt. able to sit on my couch and smoke and drink and just yes. pause it when I got to go take a leak and go, oh man. Uh, I'm not a fan of right. Feet up, no cell phones ringing. I mean, I'll watch a telesync or a telesync. I won't mess with cams, but I will trade that for. I did go see Prometheus in the theater just because it's been a while since I've been to the theater, and my girlfriend yeah. kind of wanted to. And that that's cool. It's cool to do once in a while. But like the Avengers, watched it at home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Men in Black Three, watched it at home. Like there's, really? I have a I have a line of. Yeah. Anyway, you, go on over to a new domain and check it out. It, it's we got a lot of feedback on it. It was just fun to go back and forth, and you know, I had a lot of offline stuff come to me as well. You know, man, you are crazy. You're an idiot. You know, and Jeremy even told me he gave up on me. You know, <laughs> I, I've seen Avengers, and I can tell you, you're not crazy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Just just wait, and I can enjoy it back there on the couch of Chateau Ghetto. <laughs> Sounds good. It's the best. It's, it's all about being comfortable and in our domain. That's right. A new domain. All right. Well, Shane, thanks for filling in for Larry with us. you definitely come back anytime. We do many shows that you can come and talk on. Thanks, Shane. You writing anything l- lately you want to plug, Shane? 
Uh, I hope I have got an article or do an early review of Flipboard. And um, as soon as I get the article out this week, and I have another one, another couple ones planned, uh, but nothing I want to announce yet. So look look for that on newdomain.net this week, uh, preview of Flipboard for Android. Nice. You writing anywhere else or just there for now? Or? Uh, that's the only place that feels safe sending people to. Very cool. <laughs> we'll talk more about that on some other shows. An honest man. Very, right? And I know you can. Uh, you guys can find Mike Rothman writing over at uh, groovypost.com and a new domain. You can find me over at Groovy Post on the Buffer Overflow Show and over at Attack of the Androids, of course. And Mike, Shane, you guys watch these uh, reruns on yet another tech show.com slash live uh, every week and we have a whole playlist full of the tech show reruns you can watch the hangout crash these are the uncensored unedited versions of the show and uh, I gotta give you props Matt that the latest buffer overflow show with the sci-fi TV that was fun that, right that was a classic we try to bring it back check to that one out the sci-fi yeah. TV show is the stuff that just it's pretty man. much me and Joey making fun of Alf and Small Wonder oh, and man. reminiscing Alf. about <laughs> about the good old days. And you gotta love Attack of the Androids. That's a classic. Oh yes, Attack of the Androids. Yeah, me, Jeremy, Seth, and Mike. You got any? I, I mentioned we're we're just ending the show. Did you have any final thoughts on anything? Any any questions, comments? What are you writing lately? Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm uh, I'm pouring all my free time into configuring my uh, HTC One X, and I'm going to come back next week with questions. Well, me and, and you, hey, since I don't have any new phones to write about, me and you should write the review on that thing. Oh, that'd be fun! I'd uh, like to do that. You be my hands, and I'll be your crap talker. Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be awesome. You're on, Matt. Collaboration. That's a, that's a take. <laughs> All right. Make sure you guys are following us socially on the Googles and the Facebooks, and we got a Twitter account and YouTube playlist. And uh, write us a review in iTunes. We appreciate that. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys right. next week. It's been review fun. Review us in iTunes, Robert Marshall. Everybody, night, everybody, review us in iTunes. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace out. Thank you. See you. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.